grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied abundantly unto you all through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you a simple question. How would you describe the atmosphere or the disposition in our world today? Now, we can't speak of all the world, but generally in our Western culture, what is the temperament you see? Frustrated, mean, angry, uncaring, misguided, mis misinformed, hostile, strife, impatient, dissension, division, jealousy. Did we say angry? Yeah. Rivalries, messed up. How about this one? Rebellious hurting, and troubled. These are the words the Bible uses to describe humanity without God. Troubled. Some of us grew up in a predominantly Christian society, but that's all gone. And what we see creeping in is an ideology that wants nothing to do with God and has put self, humanity, on the throne. And guess what? The creator never intended for his world to be governed without his help and his guidance. And the result is trouble, what we see today. We read earlier Psalm 138. And this is why you are always encouraged to read the Bible, because the Psalms are the Bible's prayer book, and it'll help you with your prayers. And listen again to Psalm 138, this little prayer. Oh, wow, is it ever timely. Scripture is so timely. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you, O oh Lord, preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the angers of my foe, with your right hand, you save me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not abandon the works of your hands. What a beautiful prayer. What a timely prayer. Because God's word is always relevant. If we would just open it up and read it. I mean, owning a Bible and never using it, it's like preparing for a vacation, packing your suitcase, and never leaving the living room. The Bible was given to us and preserved for us to be read, not just set on a shelf, to be heard, not just ignored. So I am so glad that all of you joined us today. Praise the Lord, because it's super important to hear from your creator. Your word is a lamp unto my feet. We walk in the midst of trouble. We need to see where we are going. God gave us his word to light the way for our journey through this world to eternal life. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, 
I have overcome the world. In his word, we see God loves us, and we get to know our Savior, Jesus Christ, and, and the peace we have from the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Think of that. I walk in the midst of trouble, and there is a lot of unrest and trouble in our world. I mean, I don't remember ever seeing so much anger and hostility, so much shaming and tension. And you can take your pick of stories in the news. Truckers protest over restrictions, imminent war in Ukraine. Remember climate change protest at the G7? Do you remember the riots in Hong Kong a few years ago? Do you remember railroad blockades in our own country? And then Black Lives Matter protests? The world is full of unrest and anger. And people don't know what to do. But they feel that they've got to do something. And so people who would not normally react are jumping on the bandwagon of protest and rebellion. And where is this all coming from? Now, I don't want to get too technical dissecting the ways of our current culture, but suffice it to say, a lot of what we see happening in our world and society today stems from an ideology that was seeded in the last century and has been quietly growing like a virus in the halls of academia. Some call it critical theory, Frankfurt School of Thought. I'm working on a podcast to explain this in more depth because it is complicated, but suffice it to say, its roots are in Marxism. It pr promotes the criticizing and dismantling, deconstructing of any institution or tradition that is associated with power or authority. So pretty well everything is fair game. And this ideology, which seems good on the surface, is spreading like a virus. And their mantra? The problem with our world are the structures and traditions that people in power created to keep themselves in power. And so this ideology is very appealing to people who are not in a position of power and feel very oppressed. And that's a very large part of the population. And you add to this a real distrust of authority. And so the idea is that anyone or any institution or tradition seen as authoritative needs to be criticized, discredited, shamed, toppled, so people who feel oppressed can be free to be their own boss, their own master, and chart their own destiny. So everything has been dismantled in the name of social justice, God's idea of gender, right? Male and female, seen as oppressive, restrictive. The nuclear family, husband and wife, couple kids, seen as too restricting. Education, rather than reading, writing, and arithmetic, kids are taught to discover their feelings through their experiences and follow their heart. Law and order, good thing when it suits your agenda. Government, trying to please everyone, 
but unable to please anyone. And the church is seen as an old archaic institution that is at the root of most of Western society's problems. So you will hear the system is broken. Now there's nothing wrong with trying to fix and reform institutions or hold people accountable. But the trouble with this ideology is it pretty well just about dismantling, deconstructing, and criticizing and shaming, and less about replacing and building up. Rarely are there realistic and positive constructive alternatives put forward because no one can agree on anything except that they're frustrated with the status quo and there's a problem. You know, a few weeks ago, I was invited to take part of a demolition of a basement, ripping out all the walls right down to cement and hauling all that garbage away. A few guys and a little over a half a day, it was done. It was a lot of work, but quick, because all you were doing was tearing down. I asked the owner how long before the basement is rebuilt and finished, and he laughed. Oh, that'll be months. Why? Because building something of value and integrity is much harder than dismantling. How many of you remember playing with Lego? Yeah, you understand. You build this beautiful thing out of Lego and someone comes along and dismantles it in just a moment. Our world is obsessed with the critical theology, ideology. But here is the big problem. They forget that institutions and structures and traditions and corporations, and they're all run by people. And people are sinful. They are flawed. Therefore, the structures and the systems are flawed. And this is the fundamental difference between critical theory ideology worldview and the Christian worldview. Believers and unbelievers alike want a better world. The big difference is, the bottom line is, where's the root of the problem? The Bible says it's not in the systems or the structures. The root of the problems, people. And who's going to fix that? Our Western culture thinks that Christianity is the problem, and so the Bible has been attacked, trying to discredit it. The church has been attacked. Many of our institutions can be traced back to Christian roots. There's a whole big list of them. So the goal of critical theory is to dismantle anything that may have its roots in the belief of God and replace it with humanitarianism, which we're going to talk about another time. So who is in charge? And who do we take our direction from? Ask a Christian, God is in charge. Ask an atheist, self is in charge. How about your view of humanity? Ask a Christian, people are part of the problem. Sinful by nature, prone to selfishness. Ask the critical theory atheist, people are by nature good, systems are the problem. Which people are good when you ask them which people are good? 
They'll say, the people that agree with us. Christians, which people are good? No one. All have sinned. Well, then who's going to save the world? Atheists say, we are. Christians say, no one can save this world. It's cursed. But God has a plan to build a new one. And by faith in him, we can be a part of that. In the meantime, God fills us with his Holy Spirit to help make this world bearable by serving and loving others according to his good and gracious will. Christianity believes God created this world, created man and woman in his image, established the first social institution, the family, and told the first man and woman to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. In other words, build communities and cities and societies and nations. So God wants humanity to flourish. He clearly does. But never apart from his authority and his direction. Adam and Eve chose to disobey God and sided with the devil. And ever since, the problem with our world has been the sinful nature of humanity that is by its very nature bent on rebelling against God and godly authority. So what we see on display more and more is our rebellious sinful nature trying to fix the problems of the world on its own. Jesus said in Matthew 15, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, and catch this, false testimony, slander. Did you, did you hear that? False testimony. That's misinformation. And slander. That's name-calling, labeling, defamation of character. Out of whose heart? Every single person has this predisposition to sin. And this, this is not new, right? Even back before the flood, back before the judgment of the flood, Genesis 6, verse 5, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on earth has become and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. Yeah, but, but pastor, we're far more civilized than that. We've, we've advanced. We've evolved so much since those days. We are so much better than those barbarians of the past. I mean, you, they used clubs to beat one another and swords to impose their will over others. True, world history is littered with wars. Today, we use words as weapons, and you are seeing it before your very eyes. And with the help of a tweet here and a post on a social media and instant communication, we see just how powerful a word can be. 
Don't be fooled. Evil is evil. And it's hard to tell evil from good these days. Now you say, people aren't that evil today. No, if you think evil is blatant and obvious, you don't see it that way. But how does the Bible describe evil? Evil is subtle. It's sneaky. It masquerades as an angel of light. It passes off a, a falsehood, a lie, as the truth. Did God really say you don't eat from the tree? Did God really say you should not bear false witness against your neighbor? Did God really say do not covet what others have? Did God really say to keep sex pure within the protective confines of the marriage covenant? Did God really say honor and obey those in authority? Evil tempts you to question what God has said. What we see happening in our world is an attempt to dethrone God and replace him with self. And God knows this. And what does he do? Good news. He sends a savior, Jesus. Someone who can actually get to the root of the problem of humanity. Defeating the devil, forgiving our sins, and giving us a new heart, a new nature. And he does this through his son, Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, and his resurrection from the grave. The answer to society's problems, all of them, lie in Jesus Christ, the word made flesh. And listen to Jesus. He speaks these words. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Man, that's good news or what? And this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's been proclaimed to all of you. That is how you came to faith in Jesus Christ. And as a response to his gift of faith and salvation, we all willingly live under his authority and are directed by his word for our lives. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the reverence we should have for the word of God. Remember, especially as we start to come out of captivity. And last week, we heard the, about the calling of Jeremiah. And this week, we hear about the calling of Isaiah and the importance of clear communication in the early church. Why were these guys called? And Peter... I'll tell you why. Because the same thing that is happening today was happening back then. I'll show you. Look at this in chapter 5 of Isaiah, just before chapter 6, which contains the call of Isaiah. Look what Isaiah 5 says was happening. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light 
and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Man, that sounds like the proponents of a critical theory. We live in a day and age again where everything is being redefined right under our noses, subtle for sure. I just give you a few examples. Paul says in Romans 1, suppressing the truth. Everything is subtly being redefined. So instead of God, we say we have a higher power. Instead of demons and angels, they're spirits. Instead of sin and holiness, we have lifestyle choices. Instead of lies and absolute truth, we have your truth and we have my truth. Instead of wolves and, past and shepherds, we have spiritual guides. Instead of non-Christian and Christians, we have everyone defined as God's children. Instead of damnation and salvation, we have whatever works for you. And instead of hell and heaven, we have everyone going to a better place when they die. This is why God called Isaiah and Jeremiah, all those prophets, all the apostles, all the evangelists, pastors and teachers, the church, so the world could know the truth from error, good from evil, and light from darkness, so that instead of sexual immorality, immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, instead of hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, instead of that, God wants us to have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, God knows the hurting and troubled world we live in needs his word. You and I need his word to stay anchored in the truth of our creator. His word of rebuke? Yep, we need that. His word of repentance? Yes, we need that too. His word of forgiveness, his word of salvation through Jesus Christ. And when we read that word and hear that word and trust that word, the Holy Spirit fills us with his fruit. And that is how we shall then live. As salt of the earth, as light in a dark world. And if our efforts make the world a better place, so be it. If not, we have paradise in heaven to look forward to, and I can hardly wait. In the meantime, may it be your prayer, O oh Lord, please do not abandon the works of your hands. Amen.